So, welcome to episode 7 of Getting Lost in the Grey. Now, a little bit uh, different from the last episode, obviously, we're going back to the way that I originally worked on the podcast and how everything sort of like was planned in the original way of thinking, which is essentially sticking to one subject per uh, episode. But uh, naturally, last, as I mentioned in the last episode, it was... Uh, it was a little bit different just because there was a lot of thoughts came out of previous episodes that really I felt I had to maybe create its own episode on to be able to get those thoughts across without, you know, them um, bleeding into particular episodes or anything like that. So yes, episode 7, getting, in, getting into the episodes now. This one's uh, going to be a little bit different again. I mean, they're all different, but we're going to look at autism. Now, this one, this one gets a lot of um, a lot of headlines, a lot of news, a lot of discussion. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the nitty gritty in a minute. Just before I crack on with autism, um, as always, I'm going to reiterate as I always do. If it, any time, whether you're listening to me, you're listening to someone else, you're watching something, anybody feels that they need to, they need to express how they feel. If they'd be feeling overwhelmed, if things are just getting too much or anything like that, again, please do reach out and um, get that little bit of help. Have the discussions, even if it is literally just a discussion. That's all it has to be—a quick talk. Can be can make the difference between what can often be life and death. So yeah, uh, please don't suffer in silence. If anything that I talk about or anyone talks about or anything you've seen, heard, or just in general, even like within your own mind that's ongoing, if anything is overwhelming or you just feel like you really need to talk to someone, please, please do reach out. Um, and if anything in this podcast that you're listening to here. Uh, you find upsetting or uncomfortable, please do let me know. Uh, more than happy to discuss any improvements that can be made to the podcast and the way that um, I'm recording them. So now with all the sort of formalities out of the way, we are going to be looking into autism today. Um, and with this one, I am going to be citing some resources here. So we have NHS UK, we have autism.org.uk, um, autismspeaks.org, autismsociety.org, and mayoclinic.org um, forward slash diseases slash conditions, autism spectrum disorder. So yeah, um, links will be in the description as always. Uh, so yes, firing right into the beginning here. What is autism? So autism is, well actually what is it not to begin with? So autism is not an illness. Um, being autistic does not mean that you have an illness or any kind of disease. It's not contractable. You can't sneeze on someone and give them autism. And certainly from what I have seen, and I know there's a lot, a lot of um, misinformation around vaccinations and autism. And certainly my own personal belief is that vaccines do, do not cause, cause autism. Um, 
I mean, obviously, I could be proven wrong in many years, but certainly from the research that I've done into the things that I've seen, I do not believe that uh, vaccinations cause autism. So autism is something that you're born with, hence why I don't believe that vaccinations can give you autism, nor do I think they can be passed on hereditary. So a parent who's been vaccinated will not give a child that they give birth to um, autism. It's essentially just the way that things are. Generally speaking, with autism, you should, certainly nowadays, you should be able to determine if your child has autism. Not saying that people, like, you know, they should be able to and they, they should be getting everything help. Sometimes these things can be missed by parents and um, uh, medical professionals. But generally speaking, just because of the more knowledge that we have nowadays compared to, like, 10, 20, 30, all the way back to 50, 60 years ago, um, we should be able to identify uh, autism at a much younger age now and in particular with uh, uh, medical professionals when you take your child in um, for any kind of appointment they should be able to notice um, subtle signs, subtle things or maybe not so subtle things, there's many things. Um, With autism it's not something you're going to be able to get over cure um, or anything like that. Not that I believe that autism needs to be cured. I think it needs to be just managed, the same as all um, mental health um, things. I mean, say it's issues, behaviours, whatever. Uh, just the whole uh, mental health thing is uh, a, a general term is more of a management as opposed to a cure. Um, I don't believe there's a, a cure for all mental health things at all. I don't think it's a cure for any of them personally. I think we all just manage things the best we can and I think it's getting a lot more noticeable. But yes, back to autism. Autism is different for every single person. Now this this is another one where I, w- I would probably do another episode just on mental health as standalone but for me everyone's mental health is unique. So we all share traits, we all share behaviours there's, you know, key indicators that show certain parts of mental health. But everybody's experience is exactly unique. There is no duplication. There is no, um, no two people see things in the exact same way. That we share, as I say, certain parts, but everyone is different. And especially when it comes to autism here, it is different for every single person. Um... And with that, it's also it's also different for everyone who is involved in this. It's just if we say one person who has autism, um, everybody who is involved in that person's life, whether it be family, friends, anything like that, it's a different experience for them as well. I mean, everybody will see a different side. Particularly, family members will see a different side to someone who's autistic, especially uh, you know the more severe uh, forms of autism, um, the, the the sort of non-verbal side, and uh, how how people handle things, um, family will see an entirely different um, side to this person who is suffering from these things, so not suffering, but basically living their life with, um, with autism. So yes, autism is a spectrum, so that's where the differences come in. And again, I think mental health in itself is a spectrum, but 
that's that's for another episode another time so I don't want to go I don't want to try uh, as I've done in some episodes previously I don't want to uh, follow the rabbit down the hole to um, different aspects of you know my own opinions and things I want to try and stick to um, the one subject if possible I mean I will I will put some relations between each one but I just think that's probably for the best but um, some autistic people are capable of going through life with you know just a small amount of support maybe even a very minimal amount of support maybe even none but there is uh you know as as is part of the spectrum depending upon which end of the spectrum you're on it will really determine a lot of um what kind of help or support you're going to need throughout your life and you know depending upon which part of the spectrum you're on um you know you may need a lot of help a lot of support uh, maybe even some uh, medical professional help um on a daily basis whether it's a carer or something like that um but yeah it is it's the whole mental health thing on the spectrum uh for me it relates a lot to the autism uh, spectrum. I think the more we delve into how autism is on a spectrum, I think it opens up a lot of um, thoughts and discussions on how every part of mental health is really a spectrum. So, as mentioned, I'm not going to go into uh, too much detail on these certain parts, but yes. So, one particular part I wanted to discuss about autism is the social life, the social aspects of uh, someone with autism. Now, I don't don't think I've delved into too much of the social aspect with some of the previous mental health I've spoken about, but there is definitely, with many of the mental health that I've discussed and will discuss, there is a lot of not issues, but people do have difficulties with the social interactions, the social aspects, and in particular autism. Now, autism, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, it gets a lot of publicity, um, and I will say mostly negative. I do see a lot of negative, um, not negative as in like, you know, like autism is bad, but... um, it's always got a bit of a negative spin on it, how difficult people with autism find their lives and things. But there is certain parts of autism where, you know, the it's not just negativity. There's a lot of positive parts of autism, to a degree, obviously. Um, in particular, the ability to focus and uh, like the love of things and... It's just how people people handle things, and it, it really comes down to that. And just making sure that the person is comfortable and is able to express themselves in the way they need to. Not it doesn't have to be an expression by uh, you know talking or hand gestures or anything like this. Like everyone should be able to express themselves how they see fit whether they have autism or not whether they have a mental health concern or not 
everyone should be able to express themselves however they want to express themselves and in particular with autism uh, we see a lot about how uh, some children are um, not able to um, express themselves verbally so like non-verbal aspects of uh, autism and that doesn't necessarily mean they're not able to express themselves in general it just means they're not able to express themselves in what is considered the normal way of uh, speaking being verbal now i know that obviously it is really useful but it's not the be all and end all of um social interaction and uh, just interaction in general and being able to express so that's where it can be it can be difficult but at the same time it's i think we we make it more difficult for ourselves because we look at it as oh they're non-verbal so they're never going to be able to have a conversation no not at all they're able to express themselves. We don't have to. I mean, how many times um, do people, when they're having, you know, like they're maybe in a relationship or they're, um, you know, friends or whatever, you can say so much with just a look to a friend or a partner or anything. And just because you know each other well enough that you know exactly what they're saying without having to say it. So it doesn't always come down to being verbal. So that's kind of my point there. Um yeah, so the the next point I had here was basically around um, the verbal and non-verbal language, so we've covered that one there. Um, another part is the how literal um, autism can, uh, a person with autism can be, and the, it can be quite uh, difficult to understand certain um, concepts, and uh, especially, again, it comes down to verbal, again, um, how literal someone will take a, a joke. Uh, they may not understand the joke because they take it quite literally. Um, in particular, sarcasm. You know, that, that can be quite a, a difficult one to navigate for someone who's autistic. Um, the needing of extra time. So this one is very, very important when it comes to um, education and workplace and training for in the workplace as well we we really need to start delving into the ability to change our education system and this isn't just for the uk this is worldwide we need to start allowing children and people at college age university age whichever to be able to actually express themselves and have the amount of time and the understanding to be able to like actually complete tasks um and with that the tasks are they shouldn't be mundane and repetitive as they are i mean if you look back to perhaps your own school years and you think back to your maths class your mathematical class how repetitive was that how honestly that i like numbers personally I work in a job where I deal with budgets and numbers and Excel spreadsheets and I, I do, I like my, you know, adding up and things. But when I look back to my maths class and things and various different teachers, it was just the way it was taught. It was so repetitive and boring and it just, there was never any excitement to it. But yeah, we need to we need to look at this in a general instance. The whole education system on this entire planet is a freaking joke. But 
and that's not against teachers I have to say that's not against teachers because a lot of teachers especially I've got children and I see that they do try to make it interactive they do try to make it more fun but you can only do what you can do with what you're given you make the best with what you have and if what you have is essentially poor then what you what you're going to what's the result you're going to get from that it's going to be poor but then again that's a story for a different time um so one thing that i was quite intrigued to learn i need to delve more into this one i can't pronounce it but it's echolalia i'm not 100 sure if i'm butchering this or not but it's a term which is used for repeating what others say to them now growing up as a young child i remember you know that was a fun game to play but yeah I, I, i've certainly not seen this but it did come up in a few different of the um the sources that i cited at the beginning so yeah that that one i really want to look into because it does seem really an interesting and intriguing point to bring up um with that if we delve into more of the actual social interaction piece, so um, if we look at how autistic people, how they react and how they interact with people is very different from what a person who doesn't have autism would do. Even someone who may have ADHD or um, bipolar or anything like that, they, they all react in different ways and interact in different ways. But one thing with autistic uh, a person with autism um, is they they have difficulty in reading a person. So generally speaking, uh, a person who's maybe not autistic can uh, read body language. They can read facial and uh, you know expressions. They can um, basically judge a person and how they're reacting to something or interacting with something just by looking and observing. Now, for someone who's uh, autistic, that is a much more difficult thing to um, navigate. So, with that, with that particular piece, it can a person with autism can come across as insensitive. So, a person who's autistic may not um, understand how someone is feeling. Uh, they may not be able to. Um, comprehend how someone is feeling and why perhaps uh, they they can become overwhelmed now this is something that can happen with almost all mental health but um, especially sensory overload and we'll go into that one in a few minutes um, they don't generally seek comfort from others and they may be they may behave in what is considered a strange manner now that is very much uh, a perspective-based uh, judgment call, essentially. But um, you could essentially say it may be that they behave in a way that's maybe not appropriate in a social, um, a social matter, a social uh, interaction. So there's that there. Uh, find it hard to form friendships. That's that's a, that's a real one. That is a real one. But then again, I think. With that, there's also the, the the other side of the coin where they, once they have a friend, they're very loyal, they're very much um, attached, which again can can maybe be a little bit um, overwhelming for the other person, 
But again, this is where it, uh, education and um, understanding needs to come into things. But yeah, sensory overload. Now this is this is something. So um, the sensory aspect of autism is very much one of the most crucial parts, um, and it forms a lot of how a person with autism reacts and interacts with their environment and the people around them. Now, these sensory pieces are all of the the next parts I'm going to talk about, but they also interact with each other. So it's not like, so for instance, um, an aut- autistic person may be overly sensitive or under-sensitive to particular sounds, um, certain touches, um, tastes, smells, lights, colours, temperatures and or pain. Now, when I say the, these things can also relate, so um, sounds and touch, so if someone was in sudden, someone who's um, with has autism and they were suddenly in a club which had very loud music and maybe the music wasn't very loud to begin with and it made, as the club became more busy, um, they may have just been overwhelmed by the amount of people the loud noises, not just even the music, there's also the uh, people, um, especially when alcohol is involved, uh, shouting, screaming, etc. Singing, sometimes that sounds like shouting and screaming too. Um, all these things can intertwine and a person may not be overly sensitive to just sounds, but if you were to be overly sensitive to sounds and touch, when you when you unite the two together, that can uh, be a sensory overload. Whereas they may not be um, overly sensitive to just touch or just sounds. I, I think I'm getting my point across. I might be confusing things a little bit, but um, with that, because a person may have these sensory aspects, they may start to avoid certain situations. So again, this comes back to the, you know, finding the hard to form friendships. So a person who's autistic may avoid going to school. They may avoid going to work. They may avoid heavily populated areas, uh, in particular, you know, like shopping centres. So places where it gets really busy and they can become overwhelmed. So with that, it can make a bit of a, it can make them a little bit more difficult to be able to form friendships because they're not able to go out and uh, go into the normal, sorry, not normal, but the everyday what is considered normal, um, you know, social interactions. Um, so you know, going to the local shops, going to a pub, going to a restaurant. Places like this. One thing with the overwhelming aspect is when a person gets overwhelmed, it can it can really cause. It's not just, for instance, someone who maybe becomes uncomfortable. It may be that, but it may not. They can go 
into what's called a meltdown and they can also shut down where essentially they just go completely silent and just freeze they can just freeze or as the previous one they can go into meltdown and it's it can be a very scary time both for the person and for those around especially if the person who's autistic may be lashing out because they're just panicking they're so overwhelmed that they're not able to actually form a coherent discussion or talk or statement to explain what's happening to them at that very moment and they may just lash out and just you know push people away may even hit they may punch they may bite they may do lots of different things now these are not things that a person should be getting in trouble for yes of course maybe they need to be a little bit restrained or things but then that's going to make things worse so again this again comes down to education and understanding and I've seen a lot of TV programs where they try to they try to bring in, you know, autism and, you know, maybe the person on the TV show is autistic and they don't like to be touched, but then somebody magically understands it. It's not as easy as that. And there will take a lot of understanding and education and we really need to start opening up about these things a lot more and discussing it with the wider public because Again, stigma. If you were to see someone who's autistic who's having a, a meltdown, they may not say anything, but the, the silent judgment's there. And that's not helping anybody. So, I digress. It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a, a difficult one to, to, to navigate. But, again... It really comes down to understanding the person and the person understanding themselves as well because you may find that someone who's maybe not heavily on the spectrum um, maybe a bit more um, they could be verbal they could be you know able to you know handle certain social situations and things and they may push themselves because they feel obligated to do so now that's not helping them because it's actually, they may appear as calm, normal. I hate that word normal. I do. I hate it and I use it a lot. So they may appear calm and, you know, um, just understanding everything that's going on around them and just taking everything in, able to just interact. But inside their head, you have no idea what's going on in there. And I can almost guarantee that they are in severe panic mode. And they are in severe survival mode. And they are doing their utmost to try and push through those feelings. And just, I use air quotes here, enjoy the evening just because they feel obligated to do so. And it's not fair because I can guarantee you by the time they get home, they are exhausted. They are exhausted. And it just, 
it just seems like a very difficult situation for anybody to have to go to. It's a really difficult thing for um, people who are not autistic to understand because the the internal thought process is entirely different. A person who is, you know, doesn't have autism or doesn't have any of the general mental health, um, as we've discussed, they don't understand how a person who does have autism or any other mental health ones thinks. They can only see how they think. And it's practically impossible to explain. We try, as I'm trying to do right now, and there has to be an open mind on the other side of this. So to the person who's listening, you know, you would, I would certainly hope that they're approaching this with an open mind and understanding that these mental health are always going to be there and we all need to take a little bit of responsibility to understand these things because we all understand cancer everybody hates cancer I, I quite rightly agree it's a disgusting disease everybody hates uh, liver disease from alcohol or otherwise maybe hereditary I use these ones because they're the most commonly discussed Everybody hates dementia. Everybody hates Alzheimer's. And everybody understands them to a point. But when it comes to your average child, middle-aged person, teenager, who is having a mental health, not crisis, but mental health issue, um, concern, behaviour whether it be ADHD whether it be autism whatever it may be we judge them and we judge them as weak and we judge them as too different to be a part of society and that is wrong severely wrong and it just isn't how the society any society should be and one thing that I did see recently on a TikTok now I haven't looked into this myself as to whether or not these are accurate terms but I did see that many countries consider autism as a visa denial criteria as I say, I'm not going to name the countries or anything that I've seen, but I'm going to look into this myself because obviously the podcast I do, that would be a very crucial thing that I would discuss. And if I do find them, I will name the countries and I will make sure that it's widely known. Because for me, mental health should not be a visa denial criteria. No way. All you're doing there is you're making it so that people will hide it. And again... It's the exact same scenario every time. The way that we handle things is basically we don't talk about it and we just pretend it's not there and then everybody um, pretends that they don't have it. The exact same thing happened with... Um, I'm not going to make a direct comparison here, but the a very similar thing happened um, 
when HIV and AIDS was, became much more public knowledge, everyone just had the negativity around it was so overwhelming that people were terrified to say they have it. Essentially, you were shunned, you were kicked out, you were, oh, it's just insane. But I digress, I'm following the rabbit again, I'm following that rabbit right down the rabbit hole. So, bringing it back in. The sensory overload piece I was talking about, so we had meltdowns. Now, shutdowns are a little bit, they appear to be less intense, but the inner thoughts, the inner process, everything that's happening within the person is nowhere near um, less intense. In some aspects, you could think it'd maybe be even worse because they just switch off. They just shut down. They just just can't handle it. And they just close everything off. It's essentially, if you were to think about closing yourself into an empty closet, an empty room, a very small cupboard, you just close the door and head. Same thought. You just close everything in your, like, in your brain and you just switch everything off and you just go in there you just hide safety it's a safety thing meltdowns as well it's a safety thing like they just need to go into lockdown essentially is the best way to think of it whether it's a meltdown or a shutdown or anything along those lines it's very much like the brain has just had enough and it's it's just closing down everything shutting shop and just saying nope not dealing with that anymore and it may be as a meltdown as they lash out, or it may be as a shutdown where they just go completely silent and just just completely switch off. So, yeah, these things are... They're intense. They're very intense. Now, moving on to the slightly more positive side of things. So, if someone... the you are a carer for or you are a parent of or maybe you even think yourself um, could possibly be autistic or on the autism spectrum or anything along those lines um, recommendations are to speak with a, a GP a, a health visitor especially for children under 5 um, health professionals in general um, any that you see or a child that you're a carer or a parent for sees anything on those lines um, there is now I know there's a lot of discussions around um, you know uh, funding for schools especially mental health but um, special education needs coordinators um, at schools can be a really good resource to reach out to um, and schools in general, they can usually give you a little bit of a gauge on um, who could be the best person to reach out to. They may just tell you to go back to your GP, but it's always worth asking the question. Um, yeah, so generally the question would be just, you know, how do how do I go about getting a referral for a child or a person that you are a carer for or maybe yourself? Um, now, one part of that, when you maybe create an appointment with a GP or uh, a, a, one of these uh, special education needs coordinators at school for your child, <clears throat> you really need to plan ahead because there's going to be a lot of questions. A lot of questions. And that's not a bad thing. It, it can seem daunting, but it's not. 
<clears throat> so one thing I would say is if you are going to go ahead and you know have these conversations with a, a medical professional or whoever, um, make a list of the signs or behaviours that relate to autism. Um, look up the the various ones. I mean, uh, look up from the links that I provide and others. Uh, just Google. Uh, they will be able to provide you know links. Uh, obviously, take everything with a pinch of salt. Uh, don't just believe everything you read. Um, ask people that know you or the person in question um, if they know you well, etc. And ask them their opinion on behaviours and traits and things uh, that could be related to autism. And, you know, take notes. Take plenty of notes. Uh, and also when you go for your appointment, take a pen and paper and take notes on that too. And you may benefit um, from bringing someone who is a close friend or a, you know a carer or a guardian for uh, the child, for instance, if it's a child, um, who may have a similar thought process as yourself, that they have seen certain behaviours or traits that are or could be related to um, autism. So... With all of that, we have came to one of the longest episodes I've had, and we're nearly at the end now, so with that, I feel like there was a lot of, again, I feel like I went a little bit down some rabbit holes there, and I'm trying to do better on not doing that, because I know that I really need to stick to what is the facts, and as much as possible. So with that, I do apologise if there was times where I wandered way too far down the rabbit hole. Anyway, again, if anybody feels any kind of overwhelming uh, thoughts or any mental health concerns at all, please do reach out. Uh, family, friends, um, health, medical health professionals, anything like that. Um. Again, do not suffer in silence. These things, they don't go away. They don't. So please do get any help you need. And don't feel ever guilty or feel shame for getting help. Ever. And that's, that is one of the most important lessons that if anybody listens to my podcast, I would love to get across to everyone. Anyway, so our next episode is going to be on Bipolar. Now, this one is one that I've not had a lot of personal um, experience with, so I will be doing a lot of research on that one. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you for episode 8 on Bipolar. Take care of yourself now. <laughs>